name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. What a beautiful day, a beautiful Sunday, a beautiful the Lord's Day uh, to be together here worshiping the Holy Trinity uh, on the eve of the beginning of the Nativity Fast. Uh, that fast which leads us to the Feast of the Nativity, uh, the greatest gift known to man, that God became one of us. Why in the world would he do that? There's only one reason. He loves us. He made us. He created us out of nothing. And he has left nothing undone for our salvation because we need salvation. We are sick. All of us. Each and every one of us. Uh, and our God is able to see through our shortcomings. But he wants us to overcome them. He wants his grace to be brought to bear on these things so that we can be, become like him. That's what salvation is. Our becoming like him. Being conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a great privilege. It is a great joy that we have that opportunity. Uh, as St. Paul writes in Hebrews, please let us not neglect so great a salvation. This past Thursday and Friday, I participated in a teleconference uh, hosted by St. Latimer's Orthodox Seminary in New York, uh, entitled Searching the Scriptures, which included a panel of Orthodox and non-Orthodox uh, biblical scholars who responded to the keynote address which was given Thursday evening by His Eminence Metropolitan Hilarion uh, Alfeyev. Uh, His Eminence Metro Metropolitan Hilarion is the chairman of the Moscow, Mos Moscow Patriarchate's Department of External Relations. He's a gifted and widely recognized uh, scholar having completed his PhD at Oxford University and authored over 1,000 publications, including 40 books dedicated to the life and teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. The work uh, <clears throat> to which the aforementioned group of scholars responded is entitled Jesus Christ, His Life and Teaching in Six Volumes, four of which have been written. The other two, or he's not finished with yet. Um, one of the presenters there was uh, an Orthodox uh, Christian by the name of Dr. Edith Humphrey. Uh, she is the Professor Emerita of New Testament at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Uh, and she made a statement in her presentation that uh, really resonated with me. Uh, she was commenting on the nature of time in this world. Uh, and this is one of my favorite parts of the catechism class that I have taught for many years, the theology of time. And the fact is there are two different types of time, as we know. There's the time of this world, the chronos, uh, from which we derive the term chronological. Then there's the time uh, of the kingdom of God, the kairos. Two different times, two, two different types of time. The time of this world is finite. It has a definite beginning and a definite end. Uh, it is limited. The time of the kingdom has no beginning. It has no end. It, is, it simply is. <laughs> great, the great I am. He is. Uh, the church understands 
uh, these two different times. And also the church understands that it is essential that the time of the kingdom of God sanctify the time of this world. Uh, Dr. Humphrey said that in this, God does not do away with time, but instead he fills it up with himself. He fills it up with himself. That struck me when she said that. But then the next question becomes, how does he do that? How does God fill up time? Time in, obviously, the Kairos, but even the Kronos. How does the Kairos sanctify the Kronos? Uh, St. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, uh, verses 15 through 21. Let me see if I can find that. I think I've got that here. In Ephesians 5, verse 15 and following, St. Paul writes, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The days are evil. We only have so much time. How we use that time is going to determine, to a large extent, the salvation or the lack thereof that we experience. St. Paul admonishes us to redeem the time. Uh, that is to say that the time of the kingdom is to sanctify the time of this world. But what does that mean to you and me? In today's gospel, we have the familiar reading of the Good Samaritan. The Lord Jesus Christ has encountered a lawyer, had encountered a lawyer, that asked the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You will notice that this individual does not address Christ as Lord, but as teacher. He was not recognizing Christ as the Lord God and Savior of mankind, but as a mere mortal that could be exposed by him as a fraud. So our Lord Jesus Christ answered this deceiver with a quote from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, 5. <clears throat> in which we read, So these words I command you today, so, so these, I beg your pardon, you shall love the Lord your God from your whole heart, from your whole soul, and from your whole power. And he also quotes from Leviticus. Uh, in Leviticus, Leviticus uh, 19, 18, he says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is what our Lord calls us to be, lovers of men. To which the lawyer responded, and who is my neighbor? So he's going to get cute. He's going to outfox our Lord. So the Lord answered this question with the parable of the Good Samaritan. You've heard it a million times, but the story never gets stale. It never gets old because it's about mercy. It's about grace. And you and I need to swim in that, that we need to breathe it. 
It is, it is our life. It is the only hope we have and it's the only hope we need. Is God's mercy brought to bear on us. <clears throat> As we know, this parable teaches us to be compassionate and to show mercy to all that we encounter. Our Lord gave us the supreme example of this compassion and mercy even as he was breathing his last breath when he prayed to God the Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We see in our epistle reading today, you know, as I've said before, the lifestyle of apostles was not any, it was not a cakewalk. They didn't ride around in limousines and stuff. The, they, they, their lives were like being on the garbage pile. Uh, this was the cross that God gave them to make known to, the, to mankind the love of God. Neither the certain priest nor the Levite mentioned in this parable of the Good Samaritan exercised these virtues uh, of mercy and compassion. But the despised foreigner the Samaritan showed forth compassion and mercy and took care of the poor man to the nth degree, I might add, who had been robbed and beaten. We can see in this Samaritan the image of Christ, who came down from heaven to save even those who were in rebellion against him. And we see in this great parable how the virtues of God, the energies of God, made manifest in his people, make a difference in this fallen world. How does God fill up the chronological time of this earth? Through his saints, as they manifest his love for mankind in tangible, consistent, and sometimes sacrificial ways. We have been given the privilege of participating in this ministry and priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ to a fallen and perishing world. The watching world looks to us who bear the name Christian to see Christ in us. Or maybe to see if Christ is in us. St. Paul uses the term ambassadors for Christ. When we exhibit the virtues of God to our fellow man, no matter who that person might be, we bring God himself to the lost and suffering. We don't get lost in some meandering and misguided consideration of who is our neighbor that the lawyer tried to distract the Lord with. All we must do is recognize the image of God in each and every person we encounter, regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic background, or any other thing. In so doing, we begin to see and ultimately love all as God does. In the Old Testament, in order to pr protect the chosen nation from evil influence, clear distinctions were established to the extent that a neighbor for a Hebrew could only be a fellow Jew. In the New Testament, Christ removed that distinction and began to show and teach that our neighbor is anybody that God brings across our path. As I have noted before, the Lord encountered a broad cross-section of people in his earthly ministry and broke down the artificial barriers that are the product of our, of our fallen, sinful human nature. By being ready to show love, compassion, and care to any and all persons that we encounter, we become vehicles of God's life, which can fill up that which is lacking no matter what the circumstance might be. 
my fellow Christians, my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is our calling. Let us accept it and be ready to exercise it with those whom our Lord will bring across our path. Let us grow in this grace. Let us not become stale, unbelieving like others and like the people out in the world. We, if we neglect our salvation, if we neglect the faith, then yes, we can lose it. Don't be deceived. We can lose it. But let us also remember that we cannot give something to others that we ourselves do not have. The last time I checked, we had members of this church from 15 different countries. Can you believe that? 15 different countries. Neither culture, nor race, nor any other thing which is of this world can overcome the love of God. That love has brought us together from all different corners of the earth here in this little church in Madison, Mississippi. You and I, even though we're sinners, have been and continue to be the recipients of this indescribable gift. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. So let us make sure that we are good stewards of God's love by being quick to show mercy and compassion to our neighbor, that person that God brings across our path. In so doing, we will be participating in God's work and filling up the time of this world. Let us recognize the image of God in him or her and not forget how precious and, uh, each and every person is to the Lord God who made them and to whom we shall answer in that final day of judgment. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen.